We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Cal fans? We are back with another episode of the Golden Bearcast. We fully believe that at this point, my sexy new microphone is working well and mm, not clipping. So but much butter. To be determined on that butter, <laughs> as I was hoping it was butter last week and it was not. But nonetheless, we are the Golden Bearcast. You have found us. You are in the right place. We're a proud partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Andy. Alongside me, as always, is Rob. And we're going to break down the end of the Cal season. Yep. A nice 4-8 and eight conclusion in a season in which I predicted 9-3? and three? Nothing correctly. 8-4? and four? Untrue. Sir. True. Yeah, you did get a couple things right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for the large part, most of us, absolutely all wrong. Wilcox has not been hired as the defensive coordinator of the 49ers. However, <laughs> D'Amico Ryans looks like he's going to get a head coaching gig. Yeah, he's going to get a head coaching gig. So 50% on that one. Mostly wrong. Nonetheless, we're going to break it down. A little bit of UCLA action. We'll get some thoughts there. And then we're going to dive into a little bit of postseason action as we are fully immersed in the transfer portal, which I must say I despise <laughs> with almost everything in my entire body. Uh, and it's not that I despise the core of what it allows players to do because coaches do it all the time. It should be equal. But it is because of the fact that there is literally zero regulation. Yep. And in fact, I'm going to spoil something right now. With the stuff with Dion, for those that yep. don't know, Dion, I watched both of his leaving press conference with his existing players. Or his, 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 yeah, yeah, his little, his little uh, talking, uh, like his TED talk with his players. His wasn't TED really talk. A press, yeah, really, his TED really talk as with his players. Yeah, and his TED talk with his new players. <laughs> yeah, his TED talks, if you will. Well, listen, to this listen to Mister Prime Time, 
And first, he tells all of his existing players who are at Jackson State, a prestigious HBCU, to hop in the portal. Get themselves in the portal. And then he tells other ones that maybe they shouldn't be in the portal. They might get stuck there. <laughs> no, he tells he tells all of them not to. Oh, he said not to. So he there, said not there, to. He says no... not to. He says he's to the Jackson State guys. He says, you know, I know you're think I know some of you guys are thinking about going into the portal and you know maybe not playing our game and and all that, but you're gonna have to answer to coaches and and so on to like you know do what's right for you. Stay stick with this team. Stay here, or you know if you go into the portal, you might get stuck in the portal. Like, and he's like, it's ultimately up to you, but. You know, I would. Uh, he's basically saying I would advise against it. And he, okay, what he's basically trying to do is keep the talent there that he's a, amassed at Jackson State at Jackson State. So like, yes. whoever comes in next has you know isn't working from an empty cupboard. Okay, love that. Much better than the way I had interpreted it. Yeah, but the Colorado one though. <laughs> then he goes to Colorado, and he says, "I re- I'm coming in with my own baggage. Yep, my own luggage." Yep. Y'all get in the portal. <laughs> <laughs> because what has been the way that it, or the past results of the past few years are not going to be happening anymore. And then he also said that he is going to install his son as the starting quarterback. Which he's bringing from Jackson State. Who he's bringing from Jackson State. I'll tell you, Dion is probably going to end up being successful because I do think college football, if you're a good recruiter, you know, odds are you're probably going like seven and five, eight and four. He's already brought in what, like a top 20, top 20 receiver. Yeah. In the first day. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a, that's garbage. Come on, (laughs) Dion. You need better than that. It's garbage. You're going to install your son as the starting quarterback. You're not even going to make it a competition. I mean, that's why chance Nolan, or not, sorry, not Chance Nolan. Um, who is their quarterback? Um, one of their quarterbacks, I think, entered the portal right away. Chance Nolan is the Oregon State quarterback who entered the portal, but I think one of the Colorado guys entered the portal right away too. You know, in a weird sense of parallels, Dion going to Colorado is like Elon's arrival at Twitter. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> It's not that bad. Um, I mean, some history was made, right? It's the first Power 5 school to hire three consecutive African-American coaches. Um, Love like, that. I think that that's 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 a feat um, that needs to be commended just because of the, the sheer lack of, of representation throughout college football and the NFL. Um, yes. In not only head coaching gigs, but assistant coaching gigs and, and so on. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm on the same boat with you. It's like, how could you say that to those guys at Jackson state and then come into this room and say that, and maybe, I mean, maybe we're being too harsh. Like I, re- I went back and rewatched his Colorado thing. It was like, maybe he's saying like, if you're scared to compete and get better, you should yeah. jump into the portal. Maybe that's what he's trying to say, that I can find guys to replace you if you guys aren't willing to compete. Maybe that's what he's trying to portray. Um, But, like, 
once again, I have to do a lot of interpreting and like, you know, like understanding what he's trying to say and, and, and marking that down to get to that point. Right. Versus it being straightforward. I think that's exactly right. I mean, I, I think that to your point, there's an easier way to have communicated that information. Yeah. If that, if that's in what he's intending to say. Yes. And if he's intending to say that, I mean, I would understand that coming in and being like, I thought like, what are you talking about? Like the fans, your parents, the administration are tired of, you know, what the last eight years has been. And I am here to disrupt that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I actually think that that makes a lot of sense. It would be weird if I kind of came in and I was like, Hey everybody, my name is Andy Johnston. I'm the new head coach of Colorado. And I just wanted to say how much of a blessing it is to be at a program with such a decorated background in winning. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Right. Like you'd be like, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Like, you didn't I mean, just the, say that. The other coaching version of that is you go in and you're like, you know, it's a clean slate. Everyone's going to get a chance to compete. Everyone's going to get a chance to. Hell yeah. That's impress. what he should be doing. That's how you should be talking to those. But players, that's why not... I hate the move with his son. It's like, yeah. it should be, it should, everyone should compete. Everyone yeah. should compete. Should compete for every single role. There's no nepotism role in that team. Finest. Yeah, it's nepotism at its finest. I and. Mean, yeah, go ahead. I don't know. I mean, Dion's going to be Dion. That hire is going to be very interesting to watch because. The portal's a disaster, right? That was my main point. The portal's yeah. a disaster. Because you have coaches manipulating it to their benefit. You have tampering that's consistently happening. And it just sort of feels like this. I, I mean, it, it does really feel like the, uh, the entire landscape of college football has completely shifted pretty dramatically in two years. In, yeah, in two years, which is that's the crazy part. Literally in two years. And it all goes back to NCAA. NCAA was just, oh, lost our lawsuit. Well, see ya. <laughs> like, there's just no guidance. I mean, yeah. in, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to kind of what's, I think, happening right now with, like, the internet. The internet is just, like, a place. You can do anything. And <laughs> it's... Yeah, no, I mean, it's meant to... It's meant to connect you to the world, which is basically what the portal is, right? It's meant to connect you to any mm. other opportunity that might arise for yourself. I love that. Yes, um, exactly. But and like, yeah, this, no, no. I mean, you say like it's been two years, right? But like, think about it. Like the last year alone has been ridiculously crazy. Like within the last year, we were told SC and LA are moving to the Big Ten, just like size and Texas and Oklahoma is moving to SEC. Um Maybe that was two years ago, but anyways, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna loop it in here, and then we got announcement of a 12 team playoff, literally, you know, finalized a week ago. Yep. And then, yeah, and then just and then the portal too, and then NIL, like all of the stuff that we've been clamoring for for like I think the last 10, 15 years, all happened within a span of 18 months. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And it really was, I really think it was just a pullback of yeah. 
the NCAA. And yeah, so like a lot of it good. A lot of it yeah. good. Name image name, image, and likeness is good, but just no no leadership. There's no leadership with how to like how any of this is being done. Yep. There's it, yeah, and I think that is in its in and of itself, it's problematic. It's this, just this, problematic. Like you just can't there's no there's no leadership. There's no idea. Like no one has any idea. It's just sort this, of like this, the wild, feel wild like crypto. It feels like crypto. It's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> feels like crypto it's like is this gonna work i don't know someone's gonna be ftx'd someone is gonna be ftx'd dude someone's gonna be ftx and you know it's probably it's gonna be the universities universities are gonna be stuck holding those bills well the universities are gonna be stuck with jimbo fishers and mel tuckers well i mean that's that's contracts like i'm not even i i wasn't even thinking of coaching contracts because i feel like coaching contracts have been a thing for collegiate football for forever right it's just it's ballooned with like TV deals and and the money that's being influenced, but like, you know, with like NIL collectives at different schools and offering players like certain amounts of money and those players come in, either they don't perform or they transfer out after a year, like those donors that put money into those collectives to bring those players in, like, who do you look to, to make up for your lost profits? Like what I, you know, like, are you going to tell if the, or like you bring it, you bring in a four-star guy, you know, that you think with the NIL stuff, because you agreed it with him and then he comes in and the coach won't play him. Right. Right. <laughs> then it's like, who, where is that power play happening? Where, where does, where do those conversations go? Who's keeping who in check? It's the wild west. It's the wild west. That's a great point. It's a fan. That's a fantastic point. Wasn't even thinking about that. Just all these different points of contention. Yeah. And it's, what does that mean? It's crypto. It's, it's crypto. It's crypto. Some school is going to end up being FTX because some donor put in like $3 million a year into this and then has, has finally spent all of his life savings into mm-hmm. trying to make a football team great and then is being sued by and then sues the university for you know malpractice with his finances. <laughs> That's Love that. Happen. Look forward to that happen. happening and you collecting receipts on that one. That's going to be a depressing one to collect receipts on. <laughs> I had $3 million and I gave it all to Cal football. What a yeah. martyr. Oh, <laughs> uh, Can I say one more thing about the Dion thing? Yeah. I don't know how this is going to go over with people, but uh, I'm, I, I, I just kind of wanted to say this because I feel like the, the, I feel like the, the team at Jackson State is the team that ultimately gets like left behind. Cause yes. you know, when Dion like first signed, he's like, I'm here to like bring back like the prestige to HBCU, like, um, or the HBCUs, um, and you know, their name and what they mean to the community and the country, um, and their history. And only for him to bounce, Ultimately, like instead of really tr- trying to push that agenda, right, and and move forward within the H or like with an HBCU, seize the opportunity at a P five, and then jumps at the chance, right? And I'm like, that's why I was like, I don't know how this is gonna work out because I feel like Dion's either gonna either gonna fail badly and it's gonna this entire like thing at 
Jackson State's going to be a laughing stock, or he's going to move on to some better opportunity. We all thought that it might be Auburn, but it ended up being Colorado. Um, he moves on to there, and everything he said is like, sure, we might feel good about Jackson State, like with this season and maybe next season. Some people might keep an eye on them, but then it's it'll it'll just be gone if they if they like move if they revert back to, you know a non-championship winning, consistently championship winning team, it just it just becomes, you know, back page news. And that's what sucks. Because I, I love the intent of why he went to Jackson State, and at least in his in his opening statements and his presser, but I always was curious about how it was gonna end. And it ended like this, which was a promoting move. It ended in the way that sadly was most predictable. Yep. I think that Dion as a candidate was quite interesting because you could make the case that I don't know his finances. He certainly earned enough in his career to not have to work for Yeah, I mean he had a nice gig at NFL at the NFL network. Yeah. So it's you know, it's not like I he should be in a position to not have to work the rest of yep. his life. And so in that sense, you could have made a nice case for staying. Now the competitive side of that is always going to be there. Yep. It's like, I want to compete at the best level. I can want to continue to prove myself. You know, I definitely could put Jackson state on the map for a couple of years, but it's FCS. How much is any program outside of Sacramento state? <laughs> yeah. Right now on our radar right now. Yeah. That we don't have some level of like a coach that, you know, was previously with us at, yeah, I'd say it's, little to none so yeah I, I agree i mean it's both it's both a really good thing and also like i mean it's good that he did it because he did i don't i think he could have gotten a job anywhere um at an fcs school so it's great yeah. that he did it but then you also look at it and say well was there an opportunity to do it even better yeah and that's the thing i mean like dude like i don't know the whole circus there was such a big circus around is he staying? Is he going? I think sometimes these guys like, I mean, Dion's great. He's clearly great, but like, he's also got a, a little bit of an, an ego. <laughs> right. And it's like so I much mean, of that, like prime time. Prime, yeah. You know, it's like shocking, <laughs> but like all of the drama of like, is he staying? Is he going? Is he staying? Is he going? Is he staying? Is he going? Okay. Now I'm going to do like a press conference and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm joking around with a reporter. Like, you know, it's just sort of like, what does that look like from the lens of a player? What does that look like from the lens of somebody that is making their life decision based around your kind of jockeying around? Yeah. I don't know. For me, it would be really hard to look up and see my leader constantly just kind of, you know, that's a big deal. It's yeah. a big deal. I mean, that's why, I've, and I think I'll end on this. Like that's why, that's why his message or how he started off his message to, the Jackson state team didn't really sit well with me. Cause he was like, I know you've been hearing the rumors, you know, but I wanted you to hear from me. And I'm like, are you saying that this is the first time you've addressed this? Like it's been an entire week. <laughs> you've been practicing with your team. And you're saying this is the first time you've decided to address this with your team. Like not, you know, without any cameras or a documentary crew or anything like that. Like just between, you know, closed doors, you and just the guys like, and I, I and this is what I I think is a nice little pivot, um, at least a little s sidestep because we'll be talking about the offense coordinator at Cal gig, 
um, for a little bit too. But that's why I kind of like that we haven't really gotten any big rumors. Like I would, I much prefer this, like not knowing anything versus like today it's one candidate and then the next, <laughs> the following day it's like another person has entered the fray. And then the following day, it's like, you know, that person's out of the running and then now it's this person. Like, I would not want to be on this roller coaster of consistently, like, expecting this guy to be our next OC or head coach and then, like, finding out it's not and then finding out it is and then finding out it's not. Like, just give me the radio science and just give me the official announcement or, like, the Bruce Feldman. Like, sources say, you know, he is very close to being the next offensive coordinator at, you know, Cal or the next head coach at Colorado. It was the Aranda stuff that was just like, yeah, so tiring of yeah. is he here? Is he not here? Is he here? Is he not here? Yeah. Is he here? Is he not here? That I do remember just being exhausted by that. Yeah, we're yeah. still exhausted because it's been a week, but it's a different kind of exhausted. Yeah, different kind of exhausted. Speaking of exhausted, let's yeah. talk about the season. Let's talk about the season. <laughs> let's talk about the All UCLA right. in particular. Yeah, let's start with your your thoughts, breakdowns, feeling. I mean, you were at the game. Yeah. So I'd it, love to capture that experience first. Well, first of all, <laughs> the crowd was not anything close to what it was at the big game. Shocking. Not even close. I mean, the students are all out, right? They're all at Thanksgiving break. Everyone's home. It's If you've been to a Cal football game in the last eight to ten years and you've been to that final game at the end of the season – it's pretty much been this like you know it's been kind of hit or miss like at or that that game thanksgiving weekend so that's to start um it was the england usa game in the morning yes of that day so we were watching at the tailgate i walked up a little bit early um got settled on the field and what was really cool is they had the game showing up on the big boards because I think they kind of realized everyone, it's Team USA, everyone kind of wanted to watch it. So I was just on the field, like watching um, watching the game. And then I got a real co- cool opportunity because I was standing at the goalpost waiting for the players to come out. Um, didn't Totally forgot that the band comes out before the, the team, and I was kind of getting settled in. I don't know why, it, but it just, it just went over my head. Uh, and then one of the band directors comes over, and she's like, I'm going to give you a special seat. And... Uh, what she does is she sets up a ladder on behind the goalpost, like that faces the entrance, the the uh, the north tunnel, and she's like, you can sit under the ladder. So I got to sit under the ladder, which gives you me like a. It feels like all the band members when they're coming out is like rushing towards you. Um, I think I put it on my Instagram and my TikTok. So if you guys want to take a look at that, you guys are more than welcome to um, hold the phone. Yeah. You have a TikTok? Yeah, I made it uh, because I started uh, like all my video work and stuff. I just wanted to get like another place to promote it. So that makes sense. Okay. Cal, Cal Women's Basketball follows me on TikTok. You are literally a celebrity <laughs> with seven <laughs> followers on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got that really cool opportunity. And then I got, you know, the players coming out wearing the Joe Roth unis. Um, super sick. The game kind of went exactly as I expected it to. Um, I honestly didn't think... I thought it would be close. That was my honest guess. But I I didn't think it would be close enough to the point where we would have a chance in the dying moments of the game. 
Like not a not a Hail Mary like Notre Dame, but more of, you know, we had that final drive which ended up, you know, in the fumble that cost a turnover that led to the game ending. But we played well enough that we kept it within striking distance and we kept scoring. Um, good Lord, like I have some good, amazing footage that I'll put up at some point um, with like Hunter and all those guys scoring some ridiculous touchdowns right in front of me too. I almost got run over twice. Um, and yeah, the everyone played, I, I thought everyone played well. I think that the offense, you know, what we saw in the big game and what we were talking about was, you know, the offense by committee, would it work? You know, it looked like Jeep was calling the plays just because if you watch the, the uh, recap, uh, the broadcast stuff, he's the one that's actually talking to Jack Plummer on what he's seeing. And, and I guess, uh, you know, the play calling in, in the next, the next drive and, and so on. So, but with the game planning itself, how the plays were called, what they were using to set up, you know, certain plays I thought was really good. Um, and it worked and simplifying the offense into getting guys in space, the pitches, the quick passes, um, you know, the, the fake pitch to the, to the long bomb, the uh, J Mike. That was awesome. It's just, it, those were just moments that really, really worked. So yeah, those are my thoughts, uh, general thoughts on the game. What about for you? You know, I think that you brought up one of the points that I wanted to talk about, which is we sort of said for those people that have been clamoring and saying, Wilcox is just a defensive head coach and he's a defensive coordinator and he holds the offense back. I don't know. I mean, these two games were pretty solid evidence of the fact that that's not true. And I, I mean, Cal with the lead in the fourth quarter against that UCLA team, that's a really good UCLA team. Yeah. Like nine and three with a couple of, you know, played SC really close and, I, that is a team that has, I, I think I, th- I thought Chip Kelly looked pretty su- surprised on the sideline. Yeah. I, I didn't think he expected it to be that close. I mean, he has such good ownage over us and there's just a couple. Yeah. I mean the offense, I was so curious about this because I'd love to get your thoughts. Do you think it's a matter of them simplifying things? Because that's the thing that we've heard, right? Musgraves offense is too complex for college and that was like the big question mark so you think they go into practice and say okay let's just take our core concepts that we've been working on all season and then just like simplify them Mm -hmm. and make things easier for people to grasp obviously the o-line got way better so great woods influence there and mcclure being gone was really helpful saffle looks like a really good offensive line coach in the making ran into him jogging yesterday oh nice yeah, I didn't say anything. No. <laughs> just this huge redhead dude that just running right at me with a cow football shirt on. I was like, that's definitely. <laughs> that's Mike's fell. That's definitely Mike's fell. So I would love to get your thoughts there. You know, we no, see this I- offense both in the big game and UCLA look so different. You know, a big, an aerial attack. Yeah that really emphasized the skill position players and just looked way more, dare I say, I was going to say something else, but like effective than explosive, explosive. Definitely. It was explosive. 
average plus. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's all I'd be yeah. asking for. Yeah. It's like just an average Cal plus, plus offense. premium. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what it was. I, I, I think you, I think your analysis is perfectly on point. I think the one, the only thing I would add on top of that with, of course, the simplifying of the playbook, because if you rewatch the game and I'm sorry to Avi about this and Avi noticed this too, which was, I think we ran ultimately what happened at the end of the ECL game is we ran out of plays. I think that's what happened. I think we ran out of plays that took UCLA by surprise, like enough. I think they started to dial in defensively on our plays that were being effective. And then because we had shortened the playbook, we didn't really have much else to go to. We said that in and the big game, correct? Like we that we were yeah. actually running plays over again. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what happened. That's why we were so that's why it's been so effective for us over the first like three quarters of both the big game and the UCLA game. Um, I think the second thing I'll add to that, um, to what you were saying is it was geared around getting guys into space and using their athletic ability, whether it be the wideouts, whether it be Jay Knott. Remember our biggest frustration with Jay Knott was like, why are we constantly trying to run between the tackles when our offensive line cannot create the gaps for him to run between the tackles? We don't need to be doing this to keep them honest because it's just not effective, right? Which is why I think all of us were like wide-eyed and super excited when we started to see the pitches because that's what we're that's what we were asking for, right? <clears throat> like run the pitches, run the outside, run run the off tackles. Like give me stuff to get Jaden in a space where he can make the first guy miss, and then he you give him a chance to move on. Um, and then off of that, what they did was they built the play action game off of Jaden on, and it it led to guys like Hunter and Sturdivant and Maven getting tons of opportunities to make catches. So, yeah, I think uh, I think I think you're spot on. I think both you and I are both on the on the same page on that. Certainly fascinating to see, and not exactly. I mean, I really did have that question. I totally transparently did not know if that sort of rumor about Wilcox and his. You know, being a defensive coordinator, I mean, you and I have always felt like his grasp of both sides of the ball is super, super strong. But you yeah, just never know, like tendencies, yeah. how people are outside of it. You just hear about it. And I was always so curious. And I think this was a resounding refutement. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, of that. Yeah. I mean, like a... It's the same... It's the same coin, but a different side of that that I would say. Just to give... I think I don't think those people are 100% wrong. I think the approach if you if you dive a little bit deeper or get the opportunity to talk to Wilcox, you understand how his football brain is wired and how how much extensive knowledge he has about the sport and how much he loves the sport and is such a competitor of the sport. But I think there is something that they're alluding to which which I would want to ask you about which is maybe he doesn't need to put an input and I think maybe his his you know because when he talks about firing Musgrave right like he said you know people say that it's not supposed to be personal but it definitely feels personal right is it maybe that he gives his offense coordinator or those coaches too much room to be like I'm letting you coach right I don't it's not that I need to be involved it's 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 that I trust you to do the coaching 
And maybe that's where the fault some might lie a little bit, where he needs to be able to eval it and make quicker decisions on that. Um, and be like, look, it's not working out, or like we need to make some changes here on offense versus a little bit like trusting Bill Musgrave to make the adjustments and and doing that. And maybe that timeline was maybe drawn out a little bit too long and you know hindsight 2020 but like if we had fired musgrave a little bit earlier who knows you know maybe a couple more games go our way right so that's that would be the the question i'd pose to you is do you think that's a fair like you know give and take a middle ground between those the two sides we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think so. I think that you could make the case that maybe Wilcox. I don't know. I don't know. Because it's like, I can't imagine after the first four, maybe six games that, especially like, let's say Colorado. Yeah. Like, that was the point where I think, like, the move should have been made. Yeah. That's what I would hold Wilcox to. I would say, you knew this offense was a tire fire at that Colorado game. (laughs) Yeah. There wasn't any other evidence that we needed to see. That was a fireable offense. You and I both said that. It was a fireable offense. And that's at a head coaching level. Yep. So, I, I just don't know. Like, I think that... I think... That's right. I think he maybe delegated too much. We said the same thing with Sonny, where it was like, Sonny was like, that's the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I don't talk about that. <laughs> and maybe Wilcox wasn't involved or didn't get as involved at the beginning and then did later. I, I mean, definitely think he was involved over the last two games. I think the fault might have been not being involved enough post-Colorado. Yeah. And really coming in there and being like, this is a train wreck. And, you know, we need to make some corresponding moves. That Colorado game will forever be one of the worst losses (laughs) that we have had. But, you know, the thing that I like about this coming out of this game, too, is like Wilcox was aggressive. And I kind of like I wish like he could like I hope he remembers the mindset that he sort of has once they're not bowl eligible. I feel like Wilcox is like way looser. You know, it just sort of yeah. feels like we attack, we attack, we like 
And I, I kind of think like, would it be mad if we had a season where we just went with that attitude? You know? Yeah. We're going to, we're going to play with an, yeah, we're going to play with an underdog mentality the entire season. Yeah. We're going to act like we have already lost out on a bowl game and we're just trying to spoil people's seasons. Yeah. Would love that. And just be like, we're going to come in here and really surprise a bunch of people. But we're also just going to like continue to be aggressive. I mean, it's one of those things, man. Like look at the Pac-12 championship. That game. I felt like when Lincoln Riley went for the field goal instead of the touchdown, I thought the touchdown would have put that game on ice. Yep. 21 to three. The first half. And instead they went 17. I I really felt like that touchdown there, you go for it fourth and two that, that game. Yeah. I'd say the same thing about the Niners game. Kyle Shanahan had an opportunity to go up or go for it. And we kick a field goal to go up six. Miami gets the ball and then they go for it on from their own 23 yard line or some insane thing like that. Mike, yeah. and they get it and they drive all the way downfield, score touchdown. I just, I don't know. I think that mentality can really end up being a catalyst for the whole team where you just sort of say it's us against the world. I mean, I know the giants have done that. I know a lot of teams have done that successfully. Like yeah. they're not getting the love and I get it. They find the beliefs in themselves, but it's one thing to sort of say it. And it's the other to sort of see it, especially from yeah. your head coach. And it's definitely, I really do think like once bold eligibility was out the window, just like Wilcox, like every decision that we, that you ever see like Nick sort of, straddling both sides of and being like well in this scenario like you know it's like which i love like his coaching game theory section of his all of his posts it's always sort of like oh you know in this scenario you could go for it here blah 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 and usually i i'm gonna say nick leads toward leans towards going for it and wilcox doesn't always meet him there yeah and i would say non-bowl eligible wilcox sees eye to eye (laughs) with nick (laughs) yeah we need to have this conversation I think I think this is this is a good topic we should put a pin on for like a future thing cuz so I could do a little bit more research on it of like just looking at the stats from a pre bowl eligibility Wilcox and a post bowl eligibility Wilcox whether whether you had gotten bowl eligible or you had lost bowl eligible I think both counts on the opposite side of that but up until that 6 win mark yes I think it, it? I, I think that'd be fascinating to look at um, I'm gonna write this down, and then so we can do a we can do a separate pod on this. Um, but yeah, uh, that was pretty much the season. I mean, of course, if you're listening to this, we will have a full like season wrap up pod. Uh, we just wanted we haven't potted in, in like a week and a half due to scheduling errors, so we wanted to make sure we had a post UCLA thing out there um, for y'all to listen to. But there are some more storylines we need to talk about, so we're gonna we're gonna move on to that. All right, so. First thing is, Andy, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about people leaving or you want to talk about the OC we might potentially be bringing in? Let's end on a high. Yeah. So, so we'll talk so about the people go, Let's go with people leaving. <laughs> All right. So as soon as the game was over uh, against UCLA, we started to get um, news of guys entering the portal or grad transferring. So the, the first one was Ben Coleman, 
so offensive lineman Ben Coleman and Dario Longhetto both are grad transferring. Um, they have both gotten their Cal degrees. Congratulations to the both of them. Um, and they are entering the portal to look for another opportunity. Your favorite, Damian Moore, also enters the transfer portal. Um, Jameson Sheehan, our punter, and one also one of your favorites. He declares for the NFL draft. It's a good move. Mm-hmm. Great move. Orn Patu enters the transfer portal also as a graduate transfer, so he has his degree. One of my favorites, actually, Orn was one of my favorites too. One of my favorites, running back to Carlos Brooks, also enters the portal, also as a grad transfer, so he got his degree. Um, and then this morning, Femiola Dejo uh, enters the portal and within three hours has committed to UCLA. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I don't even wanna. I don't even wanna discuss like what what could transpire in three hours, but uh, and how he already had a graphic ready to go. But um, that's a that's a different question for another day. What do you think? Portal time. I I genuinely so I had this really interesting conversation, uh, which was great with a former collegiate Cal athlete just graduated, and we were talking about the grad transfer and how hard it is to get into the, you know, what is it like post-secondary? I don't even know. If yeah. Post, kind of, uh, you know, it's like, it's really hard to get into these programs. Yeah. So it's like really hard to get into these programs. Yeah. And I, and so I, at the end of the day, like they came in, they graduated and grad transfers. Some of them I think could have had another year, but I just don't like, I don't know how that works. And I do know that like the certificate program that we offer that that players can do, it's like one year. And then you really don't want to go and do that again. Uh, and there's just not yeah. a lot of options right now. So I think that yeah. would be like something to solve if we wanted to see more of retention. But like, this is the way of the land. And like, at least they're graduating. So I look at this as like all successes. Anybody that's grad transferring, I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. Femi, I'm not stoked. <laughs> but... Everything else, like, really excited for everyone. Um, this is this is the way that this is the way of the land. Yep, for better or for worse, this is how it is. And uh, do I hate the fact that I have to have anxiety about our best players potentially leaving after spending one year at our program? Absolutely, hate it. That sucks, and especially from a brand building standpoint, I can't even yep. imagine bringing somebody in like imagine the Niners bringing in Christian McCaffrey, everybody buying McCaffrey jerseys and then McCaffrey immediately being like, well, I'm going to the transfer portal and uh, now I'm going to go play for the, the Cowboys. <laughs> like that means that like that's realistic. That's yeah. completely unique to college football, right? It yep. does not happen in professional sports. It doesn't happen anywhere else. I mean, it's not sorry, not college football, but like co- collegiate sports. That is yeah. a unique experience. In no other sport do I bring you in and invest all of this into you and then say, okay, cool, but like the player opted to go play for your direct rival. I mean, maybe if you give like a player option, like maybe if you do the Carlos Rodon deal and you give a the play it's like a player option and they like come in on a one-year deal and it's like okay great and then they go signs with the dodgers please don't let that happen but 
Like maybe, maybe. I, I just feel like it's like the thing, the beautiful thing about college football is you, you believe in these people that are so young. So young. I mean, I'm trying not to mention anyone by name, but like these guys are so young. They come in early. You get excited in spring camp. They show out in the fall. Now you're excited. And now as a fan, you start to look towards what your future looks like. And you cannot do that when, with any level of certainty anymore. No. Not and for I any middling team. Not for any middling. Yeah, not for any middling team. And I mean, how many how many portal people, how many portal guys or guys are in the portal from Alabama? A bunch We're already. seeing like a bunch of them in, in the yeah. portal. And it, it's just, it's crazy out there right now. So I don't know. I'm super happy for the guys that have graduated. And I will be incredibly pissed at any of the young <laughs> young <laughs> losses for the program because I think that you know it'd be interesting. Your average career in the NFL is three years, three to five years, three years. Yeah. What looks better? Well, let's use McKay. Let's use Met Tower as an example. A Cal degree or an Oklahoma degree. What's going to set you up for a better, you know, better long term in, in your career if you make it in the NFL for three years? It's going to be Calgary. And yep. you, you just, I don't know. College in some ways needed to be disrupted to more mimic the freedom that professional players, or at least the compensation that professional players had because the injury risk was, if not equivalent, significant. Yeah. If not the same, it was at least significant. Yeah. And so I support the idea of players being able to get paid and paid appropriately for the risk that they take for essentially our entertainment. Right. And at the same time, I sort of openly am against this free agency without any level of commitment. Yeah. That you kind of go into this and you say, this is where I want to be. And like, there's, there's extenuating circumstances, but for the most part, just like on a whim, like what is it again? Dude, it's literally like we're repeating signing day a year later. Pretty much. Yeah. Every single year. You know, it's like that indecision where we had the one guy who's like, I'm TCU, then I'm Cal. No, then I'm TCU again. No, 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 I'm Cal. Then I'm TCU again. Like that level of indecision. Is it not better to have some level of decisiveness to be locked in and say, okay, like, you know, I also kind of hate the NCAA rule that forces guys to be in college for two years, or sorry, the NBA rule that has, you know, the two-year rule. And then the flip side of it is I love it because we get to see players actually commit to playing at that, you know, at that university. Uh, sorry, it's the one and done, right? For yeah. uh, basketball. But like, I think you're thinking more baseball. Yeah. But we get to see, like, we get to see that one year. Like, we get to see them kind of commit to this. I don't know. I guess that's not a good example. But like, I think baseball. I can't tell if, like, if I'm an old man just like yelling at clouds or if it's like, or if there is some fabric of 
the kind of mystique of college football that's actually being lost through this. And I like the cynic in me says the mystique is being lost. And then I try and rationalize it by saying like the majority of these moves are actually good for the players. And that that's what's important. I just kind of find myself like with my little, like two angels on each shoulder. Yeah. I, you know what ultimately it becomes it and what it boils down to is college football has turned into the development league or minor league baseball for major league baseball. Like that's, that's the analogy, right? There's no alternative way to do it. And there's no way to go around it. Like the NBA used to have the rule where if you're 18 and coming out of high school, you can go to the draft or you can go play collegiately. If you play collegiately, of course you can leave whenever you want, but most of those guys are going to college because they want to go to college. Right. And the guys that are talented enough to go to the NBA are gone to the NBA. Right. Yeah. You get that segregation and then you get like the, the, the commitment aspect. They're committing themselves to the sport, you know, to do that. The guys that are coming into college, I think it's kind of half and half, right? You get guys that are trying to push their stock to maybe get drafted, or they're coming in here to get that college degree. Um, you don't have that kind of segregation for football. Like, there's no other route. It's, it's, it's NCAA football to the NFL or no NFL. There's no, there's no alternative route, right? There's no other way to get, way to get there. I think that's what kind of sucks because that in turn becomes this thing of if I'm trying to get to the league, I'm, I'm just going to, I don't really care about the college experience. I'm more worried about where can I get the most exposure, the playing time, the wins to get myself to that next level. Yeah. And that's like that, that's the sucky part about it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I agree. It's, I think I've, I'm like hearing what you're saying and thinking that I am the old man yelling at the clouds. <laughs> I mean, don't because, get me wrong. I'm on that side. If I had to pick one or the other, I would pick this, the old, the old version of it. Granted, I want some type of player freedom, but I totally get the whole like there doesn't seem to be this sense of i don't loyalty is the wrong word i don't want to use the word loyalty because they don't need to be loyal to to us the fans they they don't owe us anything dude um, it's not loyalty yeah that's what i mean it's, it's not it's, but it's, it's, i look at it as hardship and i want i want i want players and people that are dealing with things that are not necessarily going to plan to have a willingness to fight through that rather than hit the eject button. Hmm. And that's why it's situational because that's not always the case. You shouldn't have to fight through every situation, but if you're coming in and you've committed yourself, like what 
let's stop calling it a commitment if it's not that. Yeah. Let's say, you know, X player has temporarily decided to play Cal football. <laughs> right? It's, it's a like, one, a one why year are we calling deal. It? He has agreed to a one-year financial aid deal with Perfect. California. Perfect. Stop calling it a commitment. It's not a commitment. One year is not a commitment. If if I were interviewing you for your for a role and I asked you what was something that you committed yourself to and you know really saw yourself come through the other side and you gave me an example that was one year long, I would not move you on to the next round. Unless it was like a really hard year, right? Like there are extenuating circumstances here, but like it's one year. So like what this isn't a commitment. This is just a this is just a decision. And the decision doesn't even hold weight anymore because you can get out of that decision 4 months after making it. Like you don't even you can show up on campus, go to a fall camp and then enter the portal. I mean the other example is like I'm going to use McNamara as an example. The Michigan quarterback? Yeah. I don't know him. I don't follow Michigan that closely. So this is only from the, you know, outsider Cal perspective that I have. He comes in as the presumptive starter. Then Harbaugh announces a co-quarterback situation. And uh, then McCarthy beats him out for the role. And then he enters the portal. <laughs> like, I mean... There's some time within that. He finished out his season, but like literally after the second to last, before the, the Big Ten Championship announced that he is in the in the portal, in the middle of the season. And it's like, dude, fight through it. Get force yourself to be better. Fight through the uncomfortability of having lost that role. But now we are in we just I just don't know, like how willing we are to fight through tough shit anymore. Not that I'm great at it, but it is something that I like am trying to be acutely aware of so that when something comes up and it's not going my way, I don't look to just say, well, how do I get out of this? It's <laughs> like, you want me to, you want me to give you the prime example of that right now? Just look at the Cal Mets basketball team. Honestly, just look at those players. Look at all those guys that have stuck there for four years. Like, yeah, you know, Matt Bradley left a little bit early. Um, yeah, uh, you know, Andre left after graduating because he had the extra year. But you look at the rest of those guys. They're bit role players all throughout their careers, like now seniors. And they're still here. <laughs> they're still, they're 0-9. And, <laughs> and they're still here. Like Damn. that, if that's not if that's not commitment to not only not only this university, not only this fan base, not only the sport, not only their their willingness to even continue to play collegiate basketball, like I do not know what it is. I think you just convinced me to go to a Cal basketball game. I I will say I think as much as the team sucks, right? The players at least deserve a look or two. At the very least, 
Like, especially for, like, the seniors in this class, like, you know, Kwani and Lars and all those guys, they've been here four freaking years, and they haven't <laughs> tasted victory at all. Like, the least we could do is, like, go to their senior day and comm- and thank them for their four years here of just, like, you know, fighting Serious- through seriously all those four years of losses. Seriously. Yeah. They probably have, like, an 80% oh, – like – a flip win percentage, right? It's like an 80% loss percentage. Like their, their entire collegiate career is going to, you're going to look at their record and be like, wow, I lost a lot more games than I won. (laughs) (laughs) Those poor guys. Yeah. I love that. I love that. They don't get like, they don't get like Wilcox's, you know, even, you know, we, we shit on the football team sometimes, but like they've been to two bowl games. They've tasted somewhat of postseason success. These guys in the last four, six years have not tasted an inkling of postseason success, nor have had the opportunity to even be in the postseason. So, yeah. Don't get me started. Don't get yeah. me started. Yeah. <laughs> our, golden, yeah that's, that's... our golden little program. Yeah. That's, <laughs> but... that's, our, that's, wa- that's, our, that's you and me both waving our fists in the air. Yeah. You're shaking our fist at the cloud. Um, but that's enough about that. I know we're going a little bit over, but I, people do want us to talk about the offensive coordinator stuff. So here we go. All right. There has been no news. <laughs> there has been, and we talked about this earlier, there has been absolutely zero, zero news regarding the offensive coordinator in any sort of form or fashion. Like zero. How does that make you feel, Andy? Where are you on this? Like, you know, are you are you nervous? Are you antsy? Like, are you are you ambivalent? Have you given up? Like, are you just outside touching the grass? Like, where are you on this? I think I'm duck on a pond. <laughs> Calm, cool, collected. On the outside. On the outside and just scurrying away underneath. <laughs> I I put a lot of emphasis on the deadline that of today, December 5th. Yeah. yeah. Portal open today. Portal opening today. I didn't want the uncertainty going into that, but I think that's largely a fan manifested thing. Um, yeah. So trust the process. I trust Justin Wilcox immensely. If that hasn't been clear on this <laughs> podcast, I don't normally trust the administration. The so, I think it's a matter of. I was the trying to. I actually have this weird thing called confidence right now okay. with this process. Okay. That of the names that we have heard, the names that are on the big board that we're considering, I think represent what I would call a growth mindset for Justin Wilcox. The names that, so yes, we've heard absolutely nothing, but like. The names that we've put out there and like people are alluding to and so on. Yeah, exactly. Of those, it represents a pretty substantial change in the way that Wilcox used to hire. Musgrave being the example of what he used to look for. 
kind of, I would say, mentor-related leaders, somebody that has a lot of experience. Yep. Right? Like Baldwin and Greatwood and Jerry Azanaro and like just like all these guys that kind of came in with this like lengthy career. And it seems like there's a lot more of a willingness to shift towards young and innovative. And I think that's the one thing. So you sort of haven't heard anything about like specific names, but you have heard like the rumors of the overarching trend of the search. Yeah. And if there's anything that I I think that's very positive, but I'm always very positive. (laughs) And we were four and eight this season. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's what we would look for. And, and I just think that, like, it, people don't understand, like, when you're as old. All right. So it's like, all right, mid 30s, right? It's pretty hard to change your mind on things. You kind of see the world the way that you do. Yeah. And you can probably change a few things here and there, but like, pretty locked into who you are at this point. You know, it's like, yeah. and then imagine being like almost 50. And being seeing the world one way and then being open to seeing it completely differently. If anything, that is what I would continue to hope to have and am grateful to have in Justin Wilcox. And I just think like we talked about it. He's somebody that understands football well. And so I think he can see the changing landscape because the core thought was air raid plus Air Raid plus Wilcox defense does not work. Yeah. Right? That was 2017, 2017. Air Raid plus Wilcox yeah. defense does not work. Need yeah. pro style offense. <laughs> like that's what I, that is my robot version. Yeah. Must have pro style offense. Must have Wilcox defense. Or more, more so ball controlling offense. It's <laughs> basically, basically what he was looking for. Yeah, but yes, continue. Must have ball control. Must have good defense. Yeah. But now, I think we've seen a shift in that mindset of there's a broad enough pool that we've put in our list that would suggest that there are old guard options, there are new guard options, there's sort of blends between those, there's outliers to all of that, and I think that's growth. Yeah, I, I think the thing to add to that is, look, if you're if if we're going to go through because, you know, just how he's hired in the past and you look at who he's brought in and like guys that he's been connected to. Right. The only real people that he can look at to like come in and run an offense. Right. Probably what Paul Christ. Right. Um, Derek Dooley. And probably Kisau are probably the three guys that you can off the top of your list be like, Oh, he does have a, he does have coaching chemistry with them. Cause he's coached with them before. All three guys are offensive, offensive guys. But I think honestly speaking, like Paul Chris is probably the only one that would revert back to what we're, what we've already been doing mm-hmm. or have already been trying. 
would I be would I be ecstatic if he were to hire Dooley or Kiesel? Probably not. But at the very least, the schematics and the and the philosophy of the offense would change pretty drastically. And so that's that. And then we look and then you look at the other side of that, you know, of the spectrum here, which you talked about, which is like young and up and coming, and, and you look at some of those names. Like you look at the Brendan Marians, you look at the uh, of the world, you look at the Junior Adams of the world, like or the Jamarcus Shepherds. Those guys are young. Those guys are dynamic offenses um, at, at all three places, whether it be Oregon, Washington, or Texas. They're modern offenses. They utilize their skill position players really well, and also it gives the quarterback more things to do than just be a, you know, hand the ball off and a pocket passer. So it's clear that they're trying to modernize. Now to, mm-hmm. to how far they modernize is, is the bigger question and how, how much risk you're willing to take in who you pick is still up for debate too, right? Like, or we, we just don't know. Like, are you going to go someone so young that doesn't have any offense coordinator experience? But has been in has been sitting in a prolific offense enough where you think he can carry it over, right? Are you willing to take that risk? Honestly speaking, I think Wilcox does. I think if you want to bring this fan base back, you have to bring a young guy who's who's hungry, who's who wants who's maybe even slightly arrogant, um, in that like an offensive system that just wants to score, 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 score on guys and with no respect to their defense whatsoever. And then to be able to recruit at a super high level and you take a swing for that because for us as fans, right? Like for you and me, let's, let's be real. We're not really tied to Wilcox in any degree. Like if Wilcox gets fired at Cal, we're not no longer Cal fans. Like we're still Cal fans. And the reason I bring that up is because like, let's, Let's let's play this out a little bit, right? Let's say he brings in that young, you know, um, unexperienced recruiter type, or uh, yeah, hungry young offensive coordinator. If it works out, what happens? Everyone's back on the boat. We have an exciting offense, and Wilcox swung the pendulum in the opposite direction in, in terms of his offensive coaching hires, and is we're a good team now. That's a win for us. If it doesn't work out in two years, then everyone who wants Wilcox to be fired over the last you know year and a half, two years, gets their wish. The offense doesn't doesn't work out. He made the wrong hire again. He's not going to get a fourth offensive coordinator hiring, and we're moving on to a new era of college, uh, Cal football. And there's somewhat of a you know hope springs eternal moment in that too. The only th- the only thing that would suck for the next two years. Is if he hire if he goes back to hire like a Paul Chris type, and that's not a knock on Paul Chris. It's just we've seen that here and it hasn't worked, and we can't sit here wanting that again for another two years. That's how you lose the fan base. Agreed. I I think it takes. Wilcox wants to win. Wilcox yep. wants to win, and that's what we want from our head coach is not someone that wants to play it safe. So many people I see posting on right for California 
say that Cal accepts mediocrity. Well, guess who doesn't accept mediocrity? Justin Wilcox. So, no. like, if he wanted to just be mediocre, then he could make a safe move and probably aim for six and six and probably know that he wouldn't get fired. But that's not the move that he like that we think that he's going to make. And I think that's exactly to your point. It's it's that that to me is reassuring. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are names that we've already crossed off the list, right? Like we've there's moves have been made um, and like, you know, Dillingham's move from Oregon to Arizona, as Arizona State's head coach, which is hilarious because he brings in Bo Baldwin and Charlie Riggle. It's like he's he saw Wilcox's like yeah. thing of how he succeeded at <laughs> like his first couple of years at, at Cal as a new head coach. He's like, I'm just going to mimic that at least for the first couple of years, right? Like recruit the hell out of Arizona <laughs> and, you know, um, have an experienced offensive coordinator to at least balance out some of the some of the roster imbalances I might have in year one. So that's kind of, but yeah, so that's, that's hilarious. And then all the guys that are entering the portal, like there's an opportunity here. If you can bring in a guy who has some ties to maybe some guys in the transfer portal, considering our recruiting class for 2023 sits at eight, eight players. Like, Hey man, it, things can change in an instant. And the hype for spring ball would be through the roof once again. But I get why people are getting antsy and, and anxious, as Andy was saying. You know, the feet, the little, the, the feet are waddling under the water just because it's been a year. Uh, it's been not a year. It feels like a year. It's been a week, and we still don't know really anything about the OC hire or even the offensive line hire, um, for that matter. And so we're just kind of sitting here, sitting here waiting. I do, I do think we should get it relatively soon, depending on when you're listening to this. And if the hire's already been made by the time you're listening to this, then this is just a stupid podcast you're listening to. <laughs> we will have uh, another one. We will have, we will have another one breaking down the hire that we made. But it is hilarious if you're listening to this after the announcement's made. Like we're recording this Monday night. Like imagine if Tuesday morning before I even have a time to edit and post this. That's what the happen. offensive coach gets hired. That's what it's like official. That's In what fact, happens. What's going to happen? On that note, we are going to conclude. <laughs> That's the perfect way to conclude. It's the perfect way. Actually, before we conclude, we have two tweets at us, Andy. Two tweets. And so I have to, I, we, you know, we don't leave our listeners ever, you know, hanging in the dust, right? So first one's from our dear friend Gerardo. Gerardo asks, any word so far on what the offensive coordinator list looks like? Kind of went through that. Are we looking to bring in a quarterback in this class? Transfer portal, question mark. As usual, thank you guys for all your coverage. Go Bears. Um, the QB thing is a, is a very... It's, it's, I don't know. I don't, it's not a sensitive topic, but it's just like, I think everyone's in a holding pattern right now by the offensive coordinator. I think if Plummer connects with the, the new offensive coordinator, whoever they decide to hire, then he might stay, which probably means Kai's probably gone, which probably means we need to hit the portal, but in a different type of situation, right? We just need to bring in someone that could, that might, you know, push Plummer a little bit. Flip side yeah, is think, we bring in someone I, else and Plummer leaves, then it's like we're really looking for a quarterback. And I really think that Plummer, like, I don't know. 
he could go pro if he gets some good good grades. Yeah. Like I would be and it's really interesting to to watch that. But I I don't know. There's a lot of quarterback talent in the portal right now. So much talent in the portal right now. Yeah. And more coming. Yeah. So it's it's definitely possible. Like I will say this, like Wilcox told us like at some I, we always talk about this, but like the football one-on-one thing that me and Andy went to, like they usually like to keep one or two scholarships on hand in the off chance. Someone transfers out at the end of spring ball. I mm-hmm. honestly think the same thing is going to happen here. We're going to transfer portal hard. This uh, there's going to be a lot of spots taken up by guys that we bring in from the transfer portal after spring. We'll probably keep a few in hand because some guys are going to lose out jobs in the spring that allows us to bring them in, in the summer, like heading into the fall. And so it's not over. It's literally the beginning, like in terms of the remake of this entire team. But the caveat to that is no real starters have left except for Ben Coleman. So that kind of bodes well, right? So far we have had, I don't even want to say it. Yeah. (laughs) Why even put that jinx out there? I'm just saying, as of Monday, I mean, it's this is the day that everyone wanted to get out of the got out in the portal, right? Like, if they were if they wanted to leave, why not get a head start on like getting official visits and, and calls in from? Maybe you've already gone calls in. Yeah, like who knows? Well, like Femi, you already got your you, you already probably, got your graphics done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, thanks, Gerardo, for your question. And of course, the last one, Andy, your favorite. It's from Sid. It's from Sid. Andy's pointing up in the air right now. He's doing like a messy celebration. Um, obviously not the season we all hope for or wanted out of the players who have entered the portal so far. Who is the biggest loss in your opinion? Go Bears forever and see you next season. Biggest loss. I mean, Ben Coleman's the easy one to point out just because he's the starter on the offensive line. Um, but probably one of the three running backs for me right now. Any one of the three. Honestly, it doesn't really matter. It really could be any of them. Just because we just lose so much depth in that room now, I think we're down to we're down to three guys in that room. Damian Moore was my my favorite, so <coughs> I, mean, he I really exploded onto the scene. He was he just I just love the way he likes he's like little MJD. But I gotta say, Jameson, <laughs> <laughs> she had, was incredible, dude. We didn't even talk about his left-footed wait, kick. Wait, wait, no, no, that's cheating though. That's cheating though. She asked who has entered the out of the people that entered the portal. He's not in the portal. He's going on to greener pastures oh, in the NFL. Man, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I will not have. I will punts. not have you. Yeah, I will not have you shaming Jameson Sheehan like that. He is not going to the portal. He is going to the NFL. The left-footed punt was the unbelievable. Punt. That's an iconic moment. Did he just punt that? <laughs> Foot? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, Damien Moore, Damien Moore for me. Yeah. I mean, just the, that that left footed punt, man. Like the the amount of coordination you need to pull that off in the in the moment. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's a very underrated clip. I mean, that should have been number one on Sports Center. I mean, it's the same concept as like, let's say we're just doing like a PK shootout and just like practices practicing penalty kicks and you shot with your right foot for the last for the last three years 
And then as you're as you're walking up to kick the one in an actual game after all that practice, you decide in your head, you know what? I'm gonna switch my left foot. In the middle of while in the middle of the walking up. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the middle of the walk up. Just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna mess up my timing and whatsoever and which foot has to go forward and which foot has the plant and all of that. I'm just gonna kick with the opposite foot. Just That'll throw him off. Just gonna go for it. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Oh. Well, I think that's it. We'll more be back. news to come. So much more news to come. There is so much more news we didn't even cover yet. But um, that's it for the uh, California Golden Bearcast. Um, I'm Rob Huang. That's Andy Johnston. You can find all of our stuff on at Right for California or Golden Bearcast on Twitter. You can email us, goldenbearcast at gmail.com. If you're listening to this, you found us. I don't need to tell you where to find us. And last, shout out. Congratulations to the Cal men's water polo team who came back four goals down. Sick. So four dope. Four goals down to win the championship. So dope. Love so, that. so dope. National so, champs, so dope. baby. National champs once again. Hosted in Berkeley, too. I walked by the I walked by speaker. It was a sold-out crowd on, on Saturday despite pouring rain. Awesome. Awesome. Congratulations to the team. And, of course, as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Welcome to the smooth sounds of the Golden Bearcast. I'm your host, Andy Johnston, alongside me. I feel like I need to be playing some cool jazz. We got Rob on the ones and twos. We're going to take you all for a nice stroll and reflect on some Cal football needs. All right. Sharp right turn into Conversation Street. What do we think about the tenor of the program right now? (laughs) 